Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Patch and Crash, the podcast where gaming culture and life collide. Uh, today's topic is going to be about uh, how to get into the gaming industry. That's a question that all of us get asked a lot. Uh, but, but before we do that, we usually have a little game to play. Mike, take us on. Yeah, play, hate, or miss. And so for me, playing, um, it's actually been a little bit of a slow week. If, um, I've been spending a lot of time outside, not as much gaming, and I've actually gone back to a series that is near and dear to our hearts, um, courtesy of my son who came over and we hung out, uh, Destiny 2. Nope. So I've picked that up a little bit uh, of late. Hating, hating on, I've also picked up a couple new hobbies. Uh, tennis, which I have never played, which is always a sight to see. And then I've been in and out of the gym trying to get back into, and I'll say that the thing I'm hating most, and it cuts across both those things, grunners. And what I mean by that, I can't, I've never, What's I that? don't get it. I, <laughs> grunters, I'm just like, what is this whole thing? I don't understand it. How is it that in tennis, you have to grunt every time you hit the ball? Yes, yes. And when you're working out, no matter what happens, you're just like, if you're lifting, and it's always predominantly men, right? Um, yeah. But it's like, it, it, there's some noise, some that has to come out of you. I, I don't get it. I hate it. It makes me feel awkward. I'm just like, what do I do? If they're grunting, do I grunt? You know, you know, no, I don't. Anyway, so I'm hating on that, if nothing mm -hmm. else, because I just feel nice. awkward. Uh, and then missing... Missing something that is, you know, um, I, you know, I, I miss gaming nights. Um, I think part of that was when I moved to Sweden, I moved off of platforms from Xbox, pr uh, predominantly PS4. I lost a lot of those, old, you know, those folks that I used to play with. And, and that was a big part of what gaming was for me was, you know, it was social. And so I, I'm missing that rhythm. I'm missing the gaming night. So play hate and miss for me. Paul, what do you think? All right. Um, so something that came out for free on the uh, Epic Game Store, I, I want to say two weeks back or so, that I grabbed because I love tactical um, uh, turn-based RPGs. Um, and this one is called Pathway. Uh, so you're basically a bunch of adventurers fighting off some Nazis uh, oh. as you work your way through a map and you have a tactical top-down combat um, grid-based. Um, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I haven't played it for too long, maybe a couple hours, but I'm, you know, enjoying it. Um, what am I hating on? I'm hating the fact that, uh, there was a thunderstorm in Stockholm last night and apparently so many people were ranting and raving about it this morning. It woke them up. It was so loud. It was so good. Blah, blah, blah. I slept through it and I love thunderstorm. So I'm upset if it was that good that I missed it. So, <laughs> um, and then what am I missing? Um, I'm missing traveling. Like I really... We, we're not going anywhere this year, which sucks. Um, ever since I moved to Europe, I, I try to travel somewhere nearby um, just because it's it's really cheap. It's like going to another state like when I was back home. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I just miss being able to go see other other places. That's me. Right. Hans, how about yourself? Okay, well, I've been playing a lot of free-to-play games uh, this week. I'm playing uh, this is still in Path of Exile and still in Dota. And... Uh, I mean, free to play. They're still getting my money, so I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Uh, <laughs> and, but I'm hating on uh, these long ass games, and there's a bit of a debate right now as to whether Last of Us Two is too long. Um, they spent an entire console generation making that game, which is a really risky move. It's like six years, almost six years. And Last of Us One was originally released on the PS3. Um, and I'm not going to ever play that game because it's just too long. I, I'm never going to be able to uh, give that game the time it needs to sort of get into because I need to play one first, right? So, no, hating on that. Um, and I'm missing 
and it's going to be another one of those COVID uh, pandemic missings. Like I, I miss the city because I live outside of the city. I live in the suburbs, you know, an hour outside of the city uh, during rush hour. And uh, it's nice to just have lunch at a work at, you know, in the city, especially during the summer times. So eh, corny, but that's, that's my list. So, so give it props to Hans for finding a way to hate something that's good. Oh yeah. Well, it could have been uh, more condensed maybe. Yeah. I like it. Um, all right. So let's, let's get into the topic. So I think at, at the start, Hans, you said, Hey, look, we want one of the most often asked questions. I think all of us have been faced with, uh, or been part of that discussion, which is how do I even get into gaming? How did you guys get into gaming? And I think it, and we wanted to spend some extra time today and, and really change up the format. Historically, we take a position, we talk about different sides, but this was such a meaty topic. We really wanted to kind of dig in and I think just answer or at least talk about two different things. And one is, um, you know, how do you get into the gaming industry um, and even talk about our own paths into the gaming industry and what that journey looks like? And we also want to talk about is gaming, the game, you know, working in the gaming industry um, for you. Um, there's a lot of great things that we love about the gaming industry, but we also want to tell the complete picture of what it means to be in the gaming industry. So those are the two kind of areas that we'll talk about. My hope is that everyone will leave uh, that conversation with a good handle on, you know, what is it like to work in the gaming industry? So with that in mind, um, why don't we just talk about our journeys first? Um, and Hans or Paul, why don't you just talk about how did you even get into gaming, the gaming industry? Where did it all start? Um, and walk us through that path. Well, mine's real quick because I haven't really been uh, part of this for, for very long. Um, so my current position is head of code, which is a wonderfully pretentious title. Uh, I came, you know, that was my own uh, design, maybe. Uh, and uh, I, I work at a game studio uh, uh, called Fat Shark, and we're mostly known for our Vermintide games. And uh, I've been there for a little more than two years. Uh, and I have a, a, you know, a couple of decades uh, of programming experience under my belt. And I've been working a lot in um, mobile apps and, and web apps, uh, doing both uh, development and management. But I was really keen on getting into the games industry as, you know, a kid just growing up playing games. And then as a teenager, you know, playing games. And then as a young adult going through college, playing games. And then I had a lot of friends just get chewed up by the industry, you know. Uh, this was sort of early to mid-2000s. A lot of um, um, game studios uh, had a lot of uh, uh, crunch and overtime and stressful um working conditions and I, I saw friends of mine just um, uh, get really uh, they hit they hit a wall and I felt like you know I don't want to get into that especially if I'm not you know as my first job I have no sort of leeway no sort of bargaining uh, power so I kind of went a different route so I went you know into finance and programming and that kind of stuff but um, a few years ago friends of mine kind of pulled me into this industry uh, mostly to do management, which I've been doing for a couple of years now. Uh, but yeah, that that's my path in to this one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and you touched on a couple of areas that I think we'll, we'll dig in a little oh, bit yeah. more, but it's it's always interesting to see. And I think you'll see we have very different paths. But Paul, what? No, uh, go for it, you Mike. In? You're on a, you're, go for oh. it. <laughs> this is you know, this is the beauty of what I thought was I was going to be moderating. No, maybe not. <laughs> so let me, um, boy, mine starts a little bit. A little while ago, it's it's interesting, you know, I went to school, I was always, a, I think it starts with, most of us probably starts with, we had that 
passion first, right? We were gamers at heart. Um, in college, I was a gamer. Even before that, I was a gamer. Um, and in, in college, I was actually more technical. I was an engineer, computer science major, and I thought I wanted to make games. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it just so happened, though, that I had my career kind of took a different path. I went into more kind of a sales and marketing field. And then I got an opportunity to come work at Microsoft. Um, and a few years in, uh, you know, I was on the enterprise side at the time. I had an opportunity. I really wanted to look at, you know, how do I get into game development? And one of the easiest paths at that point, because I had no game development experience or anything like that, was testing. Um, and that was my first almost, let's call it, moment into, into game development. And I still remember the interview to this day where I'm sitting there at the table and it's an informal interview. So it's Microsoft. It was more about establishing your network or building your network. And uh, midway, or at least maybe at the end of the, the interview, let's call it the informal discussion, I said, you know, I really want to do testing, you know, uh, and I had no idea what testing was at the time, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of did, kind of didn't. And there was this hole in the middle of the table and it had a plastic ring in it. And he looks at that, and I think that's where you put flowers or something else. And he pulls it out of the table, and he gives it to me, and he says, great, go test that. <laughs> I was just, remember, I remember going. So needless to say, that kind of put, because I was like, you know, I just got you know, locked up. But I, that kind of put the brakes on the, well, maybe I don't know what gaming is. Yeah. And so that was very early, let's call it my 20s. And then I found a different path into, let's call it communications, international communications, that actually was in the Xbox group when Xbox had just come onto the scene. And so that was my first um, opportunity, but through a communications route to really kind of work into it. And it was a hybrid role. It was kind of a product role slash communications. And the truth of the matter is somebody just took a chance on me. I had a, just a, a, an interesting mix of different skills that happened to fit the role, even if it wasn't necessarily gaming. And then it just kind of grew from there. I went from there into retail and then back into the Xbox group. And then just have um, over the last 15 to 18 years, I guess. I've been kind of in and through and maybe even sometimes out and back into the gaming field, everything from product marketing to, to global marketing, to uh, global strategy teams, and you name it, kind of everything under the, under the belt. So, um, and as many times as I've tried to get out of the gaming space, I've always kind of come back uh, to the gaming. So um, I clearly like it, but that was kind of my journey um, mm. in and out of, and, and what kind of led me in, but the, the, the kind of the, the moment I would say, was somebody took a chance on me. I had a certain mixture of skills and I made something of it and I clearly liked it. So Paul, what about you? Not too dissimilar. Um, so lifelong gamer always, I actually never thought that I could get a job in games. I never thought, I never considered it. I think a lot of where my, uh, where my headspace was that was very influenced by my, by my family. And this was like a, this is a new area. And they're like, you're you know, wasting time on games. Uh, there's, there's nothing here. Um, so I never, I never considered the possibility, but when I went to college, I was like, maybe, maybe let me try programming. I'm going to try computer science. I took one semester. I hated it. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever. I can't, I'm no like, cool. Well, there goes that dream. I tried, um, shifted, um, did nothing with, uh, with college. Then, uh, was, uh, chatting along with a lot of friends that I, that I'd made via online gaming. And some of them took a chance on me, similar to it's like right. yourself, Mike. They said, you know what? Um, they, they work at an agency. Their name's uh, Ten Gun. Uh, the agency, uh, the, the owners were like, we, you know, your skill set and what you've, what you've done does not match up with anything that we, that we do. But we know you. We've played games with you for a long time. We know you as a person. 
we feel that you'd apply yourself and you do well. So they took a chance, brought me to Seattle. Um, I contracted out to Xbox, ended up working there for two years in a U.S. marketing role. That's actually where I first met Mike. Uh, if you remember way back when, Mike, it was like, oh, I do. That was a while ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so did so did that for for two years. Um, followed my boss's boss to EA. She had been there previously. Um, I really learned a lot from her. I really wanted to continue to work with her and learn from her because um, I thought marketing was a thing because I was like, I have no game dev experience. Um, she got me a job at uh, working or got me a foot in the door to work at EA, um, which shipped me over to Stockholm. Like that was a huge, huge wow. opportunity. Again, like someone's like, we, we, you kind of can do some of the things that we need in a role. Um, let's, let's see if we can make this happen. It worked out pretty well. Uh, so I moved over here. Worked in a, in a in a kind of a hybrid marketing community uh, community role for a couple of years, and then the dev team uh, at at Dice needed somebody to run a small little dev team of about uh, ten twelve people. Um, oh no, lost Paul. And welcome back, everybody. We experienced some technical difficulties. Uh, we lost Paul, but he's back now. So please, please continue. Yeah, so uh, so I, I transitioned from the uh, marketing team at EA into uh, working for the dev team uh, at Dice, and that was primarily because uh, the work I had been doing on the marketing side was the closest thing that they had to um, somebody that had the knowledge set for what they were looking for in, on uh, one of their dev team members. So, led a small team of like uh, 12, 12 ish people for about two years, and then the third year into that, I picked up working on some of the the free to play games that. Uh, EA was still running at the time, like um, Battlefield Heroes, the uh, one of the Command and Conquer free to play games. Um, oh man, I'm forgetting what some of the other ones were. There was a Need for Speed free to play game, so I kind of like shepherded really? those things for about a year, a little bit. Um, learned a little bit about free to play space. That was really interesting. Um, <clears throat> ultimately, uh, flipped back into marketing. Uh, oddly enough, uh, was doing marketing on the first Star Wars Battlefront. And then after doing that for a bit, for about a year, flipped back to development and worked as a producer leading team for uh, the post-launch of Battlefront 1. And then I worked on the launch version of Battlefront 2 uh, and then left shortly after that to join Avalanche, where I've been a product owner for about the past two years, um, where I lead a small team of about 30-ish folks um on generation zero cool wow you guys seem to know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think well, I've, been, I've been around the block a bit well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say to that the um here's what i, I think here's what i will say because the um i think there's a lot of good war stories i think we've talked about through our different paths you know both uh kind of mixing throughout different kind of companies, different industries and different products we both kind of worked on. But I think here's what's interesting because there's a couple of things as I was just hearing you guys talk. Mm -hmm. One is that both for Paulie and I, I think there is a, hey, somebody needed to give us a chance. And I think that was much more common in early days gaming because frankly, the, the industry wasn't mature enough. Yeah. It really, that's the only sources of talent you really had. Mm. And I'm talking 10, 15, 20 years ago, you still have some of that. In fact, I've hired many people that don't have gaming experience. And we will bring them in in part because they have certain kind of skill sets and they are a fan. But as the industry, and in particular with marketing, where you don't have nearly as many um, schools that have right. built, you know, large trade schools or what have you, or even colleges like yeah. USC now, which have 
fairly rich um, programs that are designed to, to build this muscle so that they can enter the workforce. But you do see some of that, but I think it was much more common, I think, when we were early into the industry, and now you're seeing less of that. But I think yeah. that begs the question, right, which we wanted to get into, and that is how does one get into gaming or the gaming industry? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a, you know, a natural conversation that we'll get into the second part of this question. So Hans, you've hired people, you've worked with folks, Polly. Um, you know, uh, they often will ask you that question, which is, oh, hey, hey, Paul, you work in, you work at Avalanche, that's so cool. You work at Dice, you work at Microsoft. I mean, these are the questions that I have historically. Done. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have these skills. You know, how do I get into gaming? So, so what's your answer? Yeah, uh, that's that is a tough one because, like, if you don't have an education. Um, I mean, there are trade schools you can spend a year, uh, at, at least here in Sweden. It's, the curriculum is usually a year of um, um, courses and then another kind of almost a year of uh, practical experience at a company as an intern or something like that. Uh, those are readily available. Or you go to a college where you uh, become an engineer or a, you know, go into computer science or something like that. But I would say... Uh, make games like there's no really no excuse not to make any kind of games there i mean we've never had it as good there are uh, more tools and game engines and uh, ways to make uh, games right now than there's ever been Uh, because going back not too long um, you would have to license an engine and that cost a million dollars you know that was that was the standard fee for an engine I wouldn't have expected that answer, but I think we'll probably have different answers, which I think is good yeah. for people. The the, right. the head of code says, right. hey, turns out the the software, the tools, everything else that's out there is so easy. Be a hobbyist first, make games. And in some ways, that actually is your conduit into gaming. Oh, that, I mean, I have so many uh, CVs uh, passing uh, across my desk, you know, over here. And, uh, and, uh, you need to stand out because there are so many people uh, just graduating from these schools. And I mean, like you said, in the last 10, 15 years, we've seen an explosion of trade schools and even yeah, college and universities um, uh, with with gaming curriculums. So you need to stand out because there's going to be a lot of people kind of vying for those few spots. And um, there are not that many game studios. And if you want to work on a game, then especially if you want to work on sort of triple a or high end there, there may be more um i would say like mobile game studios that are available um to to apply to but uh, if you want to work with one of these few known franchises maybe then you need to have um, a portfolio to show basically and that's something i really i rarely see with uh, uh people who apply for programming jobs especially if you're an engineer right you just went through f- four or five years of uh college or university and now all of a sudden uh you're done right you wanna yeah. you wanna get a job in the industry but mm-hmm. then you only have you know a few sample projects that you know uh maybe were sort of course uh, course projects that you did with some friends and yeah for, for well, me it's you... always been just show me the projects of of mm. games you've you've done because you, you probably have the time to 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 make a couple of games yeah yeah i, I think that makes sense as you start to think about uh, your side of the business your craft in mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. Paul, yes what are, what are your thoughts i i think for me uh if i if i being a being a, a product owner you know I, I work with 
so many different types of people that have so many different skill sets and do so many different um, different things on a on a game that I don't think there's any one path. It depends on what do you want to do, um, and more than likely, whatever it is that you like to do exists in gaming. Like there is. So many people, I think, gravitate very much towards um, kind of what you were discussing, Hans, which is uh, you need to be a programmer and work on work on games, go to a school for, for that stuff. But I think that what if you're a really good writer and you happen to love games? Like, well, guess what? You can you can apply. There are narrative people that uh, that write stuff. Um, there are um, people that are really good at problem solving. So, Mike, like you gave that example of uh, QA, right? Like. Everyone just kind of thinks that QA is really easy to do, but there's, I mean, if you have a really solid QA member, like, Jesus, I really value those people. Like, and they're just really outside the box, just like crazy smart people. Um, but, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily go to school for that, right? Um, I think that there's there's jobs for so many different things. Like, if you want to be a voice actor, you can you can do that in, in games. If you want to be um, an animator, if you want to be an artist, like there's just so many different opportunities. I don't think there's any one way. It's just find your passion. Um, what do you like to do? And if you want to marry it with gaming, it's more than likely that's a, a way in. Um, I actually want to riff off of that a little bit because I think you're right. There's so many different entry points. And some of this is maybe um, it may or may not be exclusive to marketing because marketing doesn't really have a lot of those skills aren't focused on games marketing yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we more often, or at least I have uh, more often looked at is while you look for a lot of that game experience, there are certain fundamentals of marketing that we are looking more for, right? Whether it's kind of product marketing, whether it's kind of digital marketing, mm -hmm. um, there's a whole myriad of different kind of disciplines of marketing that you may look at, which is your conduit or kind of your entry point into marketing. But I also think that what you said, Hans, is really important, which is how do you stand out? Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, whether it's creating your own portfolio or in the case of other jobs, it's sometimes just being able to network and it's and not unlike many other jobs. Right. You need to be able to know somebody and to be mm -hmm. able to have those relationships yeah. so you can be noticed. And um, and that is and can be, uh, you know, an opportunity for you to get into many of these companies. I also would say a couple other things just. Um, uh, you know, having both kind of seen this, hired this, and then kind of observed it, is there's a couple of different ways that you can get into to games that are easier than others, right? Um, I think working in a multinational company can't has its benefits here. I think there are many mm -hmm. times at Microsoft working there for many years, both myself included, um, that you can work in other disciplines, other fields, other categories. And you can move into, because that's part of the beauty of being in a multinational company, you can move into some of those different organizations that are more, maybe more entertainment related um, if you have the right relationships and the right skill sets. And that becomes actually pretty easy. You also, I think, can start to, you know, especially let's call it smaller developers. You know, I think it's easier to maybe move into some of the smaller developers with less gaming, maybe at a more associate levels earlier in your career. It's more challenging as you get later in your career mm. to actually get into some of those roles in gaming because you're looking for both kind of depth of experience and, you know, resident expertise within the field. So I think I, those are, go ahead, Paul. No, I say, I think the thing that you really hit on that's really important is um, I think even just, you know, a skill set and a background in a related field. Oh, and yeah. like. I think of that as like entertainment, right? Like 
there are um, I'm sure there are programmers that work on on movies for various things that they're doing with CGI and shit. I don't know well enough, but I would assume so. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like that's the, and then that also ties into the thing you mentioned about like if you if you work at large multinational uh, or international companies, Mike, like having something where you're able to pull in a lot of knowledge and a lot of um, various disciplines across a huge cross function, like that, that kind of shapes your your worldview of how does should all this stuff work together, and True. how do all these pieces fit into a puzzle. And I think that some of those things combined give you just a lot of experience. Um, so maybe necessarily you never worked in games, but you've worked at Marvel for like doing movies for like five years. Yeah. Like that's how you stand out on a resume, right? You're like, oh, okay. They're used to the type of environment that I'm likely going to have them walk into working yeah. on a game because it's still it's a creative entertainment based field. Um, large companies, this could be a large company. Like those things I think translate really well. And that's what, I know when I'm looking at CVs, I look for people that have related experience in fields that matter, not just necessarily. Um, I've done uh, I've done marketing for 20 years, selling vacuum cleaners. I'm like, well, okay, that's a lot of years of experience of marketing, but this is a different different type. Um, you know, if they were 20 years of of marketing, um, you know, movies or like at a blockbuster <laughs> or something, I'm like. Closer, but it's a good, good, good story, bro. The, the, yeah. the, the, I, I'm not going to lie. I might want to interview the person that has been selling <laughs> vacuums for the last 20 years and just yeah. wants to get into gaming. I, I'm like, just tell me, t talk to me about your story. Mm. But, but, I, but I, I think there, there is some, some things to be said about that. It, Hans, it, it could be very difficult, though, to, to know what's a related field. If you're just starting out yeah. at anything, if you have no idea how sort of games are made, if you haven't seen you know, behind the scenes, and there are plenty mm. of... YouTube channels dedicated to that kind of stuff, or um, uh, you could educate yourself. You can. There, there's a lot of books on game development that kind of talks through the process of how you make a game. But it's a weird mix, uh, a weird alchemy of you know uh, technology and fun, uh, we, yep. which is the mm -hmm. entertainment industry is way closer. But it's a, it's it's hard to just like make something that is playable at a technical level, but it is also fun. And uh, those things are hard to teach. And most studios mm -hmm. have their own version of how we do that, you know, their own processes. Um, yeah. So it could be very hard just starting out. Say if you're, uh, you've been in a completely unrelated field to software development or any kind of uh, project work. Say you're, you've been a librarian for 20 years, but you're really into, uh, into games. And you really, like, I, this is my time. I have, you know, saved up a little bit of money. I can kind of uh, spend some time where do you start? And, uh, and, and I would, I would say you need to educate yourself on how to make games. Um, a lot of people who apply that I see can talk at length about the games they like, which is good. You need to mm -hmm. play games in order to understand, you know, what's good and, and what makes, you know, certain experiences, uh, uh, interesting and, and that, and that, right. But, uh, you also need to, uh, really spend time to kind of understand the specifics of, uh, the game craft and that's um, if you're a programmer uh, if you're a designer level designer or sound designer or game designer or uh, artist or animator you, you you need to be able to show people like some kind of portfolio to, yeah. to stand out from the crowd mm -hmm. i'll be honest a yeah you're right about that and it is it is a, a far more competitive field today than it ever has been in mm -hmm. part because it's just sexy right you know it's not like we're we're, we're selling diapers or toilet paper 
we're selling games. And by virtue of that, it's so much more interesting. It's part of what keeps me coming back into the industry is that it is. It's so dynamic. And it's not just the fact that it's entertainment. It's so dynamic as an industry. But I, I, I do, you know, it's interesting because I think I kind of go back and forth in this. I love there's nothing better when you can find somebody that is, has all of the skills you need, has high EQ, emotional kind of intelligence, and has, and is that perfect candidate. But rarely is that the case, right? Yeah, yeah. And I and I go back and forth as to how much I wait as as a manager, as how much I yeah. wait industry experience, because I I do think that um, you know we're getting to a point where you have that as the industry grows up. You want certain kind of depth and experience and you want a different level of competency and not just the, how do we get things done in the gaming business? And I feel like we have kind of grown out of that. It's mm -hmm. not just about the intricacies and it's falling more in line to what other industries are doing, meaning how we come to market, how we, now it's different, right? It's more digital sure. and many other things, but there is a lot of fundamentals that you're starting to kind of, how we sharpen up, how we market. Um, are are more similar than they were they um, than different today, which means that the type of profiles and the candidates that I look for are actually different. I am I'm less concerned about the industry experience so long as they this is the one requirement they have to have. You don't have to have uh, two, three, four, five, ten years of gaming experience, but you need to understand the industry and what it's about, which often means that you're a gamer. Yeah, you don't have to be. But you need to understand the industry and the dynamics um, if you're coming into some of our roles, uh, at least what I hire for. Otherwise, it's just way too big of a gap. And yeah. worse than that, you're, there's so much nuance and intricacies in this industry that you lose mm -hmm. by not having some of that uh, um, insight and that understanding. And I, th I think that's super challenging because uh, this industry more than any other is on like the forefront of social media. Like it's, it's so ingrained with how we make games and how that communication street is, is paved between your players and the people that make the games yeah. that it just means there's so much that happens so quickly all the time that you need to at least be somewhat aware of what's happening consistently. Otherwise you can be very tone deaf with what is currently happening. Um, and it's to the detriment of the product you'd be working on at that time. Yep. 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 Community is a good example of that, which is just, it, it is, I think, fundamentally different in our field. There are only, I think, really two industries where we have this linkage between community and the development of what you produce, and that's sports and gaming, I think, are the two where you have that level of fervor, mm -hmm. um, uh, in my mind, at least in how I think about it. But it's a good example of just how we come to market differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Mike, you had this other question for us to answer. We talked yeah. a lot about this stuff, but, um, maybe, maybe it's even worth revisiting. Cause I think we're going, we're going long on this stuff and I think there's definitely more to explore. Um, but you had another question for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, okay, we talk about, you know, how do we get into the industry? But then it's like, you know, a lot of people ha uh, not having the experience of being in the, the industry, uh, it always looks rosy on the outside and it's like, everything is awesome. And the truth of the matter is it's often that, but often it isn't. And so now the question is, is gaming, you know, right for you being in the gaming industry and working in the gaming industry? And I think this is a good exploration of like, what do we love about it? What are some of the things to expect? What have we personally maybe even had to work through, whether it's hardships or other things? Um, and so I can, I can kind of go first in some of this and we can, we can go through this. But so to me, here's what I, I said this earlier, but what I love about the gaming industry, and, it, and it's not just about the entertainment. And I do like that piece of it, but it's the dynamic um, aspect of it. 
Um, it's a, it's still a hit driven business, but not just that it's like, it's now evolving beyond just a hit driven business and there's new business models and there's a whole sort like there's competitors on any given year, month and day that are disrupting the industry. And that is just, that's cool. It's like the best parts of tech married up with what you said, fun and art. And mm-hmm. that's just a unique position to be in as a marketer, because you can constantly think about different ways to come to market and work with your development partners. It's both challenging in many ways, because you're marketing things that are not even finished, which is majority yeah. of my job. And it's always a big kind of shock to marketers where they're like, wait a minute, the product's not done. No, no, no. We market the product before it's done. Yeah. It's okay. Um, I got you. You know, it's like, that's, that's just, it's part of kind of gaming. So that's like the good parts, right? Um, on, on the tougher side is yeah, launches and the kind of highs and the lows, the highs can be really high. The lows can be really lows. And I've had my share of really, really difficult launches. I was part of the battlefront launch. I was part of battlefield. I've had some really tough halo launches. Um, and so I think, you know, and, and age of empires for the example. So there's been a lot of really difficult launches, um, that, you know, is tough as a marketing partner and going through. And I think, um, that can be taxing, but I mean, that's at the high level. And then we'll kind of dig into some of that. Um, but definitely the highs and lows and the, just the ebb and flow of the business can be really challenging. What do you guys? Well, it's kind of tough as well when you're uh, constantly reading critique on your work online, right? So if you go on a forum or a subreddit and you want to see, Hey, what are, what are people saying about our latest release? And you're seeing, you know, uh, uh, all, all these sometimes valid criticisms sometimes uh, people might be a little bit too harsh right and uh I, I i've had colleagues talk to me about this where they're like um you know how, how did it launch go uh, uh, last week because i have been too afraid to to read the subreddit and i was like man you gotta you gotta get in there because they're loving your stuff or you know there's some um maybe uh, harsh stuff that sometimes you have to kind of uh, sift through and that can be really taxing. Like you're you're putting heart and soul into a product, and people are kind of just rejecting it. So even even it's if, a good point. Uh, yeah, it's a really good point that everything that you do has a double-edged sword of people see. Oh yeah, uh, everybody sees what you do, and uh, it's on a platform for people to critique it. Yeah, but good but also bad. we 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 need to have that kind of transparency because like the product is going to get better by being close to the audience and it's really cool for um gamers to be able to actually communicate with the people making uh the games that is cool and that will lead to um better games as well but it can be really tough um so yeah so i got some more but i want to hear Polly first go ahead um i i'm very much in uh I, i understand where where hans is coming from it's uh it's it's emotionally taxing i think that um like you said, Mike, there's a lot of great highs. I tend to be a more even keel person. Um, so like the, for me, like the highs aren't necessarily like uh, I'm losing my mind. Most kind of like, yeah, feels good doing the thing, you know? Um, and even even my lows aren't super low, but I'd say that the, the weirdest low that I've had uh, was actually when I first started. Um, after When I was working at, at Xbox, after about a year, um, I'd been you know, driving myself to do a lot of work. And I hit a point where um, I was working in games all day and I was like, this is living the dream. I'm doing, I'm, I'm finally doing, I'm in the games industry. Like I couldn't, I should be super over the moon, mega happy all the time. Um, but I'd go home and be like, all right, I need to, I need to unwind from, uh, from work. Let's go play a game. Cause I love games. All I do is play games. 
I'd go home, turn on my Xbox, turn on my PC, sit there, just be like, I can't do this. I, I, I stopped playing games for about six to nine months. So I'd just go home, sit there, fall asleep. Like it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't depression. Um, cause I've had friends that have been depressed in the game industry, but like, it was just a point where I'm like, it sucked the fun out of the thing that I enjoyed most in life. Um, and I think that that's something that's, it's, it's a bit of the, uh, old, the old adage, like you learn how the sausage is made. Right. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it taints your, uh, your, your enjoyment of the thing. Once you know a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes. And, um, that's something that. I struggled with for a while. Like after I eventually started playing games, like, again, like I said, after like six, nine months, I kind of got through it. Um, but at a certain point in time, um, as I kind of like learned more and more, I started getting less like emotional about the the things that I was, that I was working on and, and got somewhat detached from it so that I could still go home and enjoy that thing in a more uh, like, again, a detached kind of sense. Right. So like, yeah, I also, I work in games, but I also play games. Try not to think about the work aspect of a game when you go there. And it took a lot of like just mentally mm. training myself to not sit there, turn around and be like, okay, but why did they do this? Mm. Yeah. Okay. That, I don't like, like it just, I would sit there and just overanalyze something. I'm like, no, you're, you're ruining it for yourself. Yeah. Stop this. That, that, that actually, that resonates with me too, but for a different reason, I think, um, not just the kind of seeing the sausage being made, but more that I think when you're a marketer, you're trying to, you know, whether it's one, two, maybe multiple products, you're trying to get really close to each one of those. And you're playing so much of those games that I think you just, you, you, it does take the fun out of it because you're only playing those things and it becomes more work. Mm-hmm. You, you do yep. lose the, the fun aspect. And I remember going through some of those cycles and I think you're right. You have to get to a place where you emotionally detach some of that from what your work is and what your fun is. And you need to find the diversity in both. Um, or at least in one of those to be able to kind of recoup the fun. But I, I, I remember I, I've had those moments where I'm just like, it's almost akin in my mind to working at a restaurant mm-hmm. and being around that food all day long. And you're like, well, don't you, it's the best food. It's the best pizza. And, and you're like, dude, I'm around pizza all yeah. day long. I, I just eat salami. I'm like, that's all. I, I smell salami. <laughs> I do. I'm like, I don't want any more. Like, no, I don't want no, no, no pizza. And I think there is that there is something analogous to that in the gaming industry. And oh, I yeah. think that the, the, the other thing though, is like, that doesn't, that, that, that stage doesn't happen for some people or not stage. I say that make it sound like everyone doesn't No, but like some people just don't experience that. Like everybody has different experiences. Um, but I think that these are the type of things that, that can happen. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen some people come into the gaming industry, work for a bit and be like, well, I learned a lot, but I just, this is just not for me. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that that's, it's kind of getting into the different strokes for different folks area. But I think that like, you know, it, it is something that if you're very passionate about this industry, like I'd say chances are higher that it would impact your love of doing the thing outside of working on it. Sure. Um, I have and, one more. Go ahead. And, and, and whenever you have passion in, in your work and the craft you do, uh, it's very easy for people to take advantage of that, right? Uh, yeah. Which is another thing that I think we're getting better in the industry, but it, absolutely we aren't, uh, you know, done with this, is that games take a long time to make and it's very risky. You have no idea how, how well mm-hmm. the game's going to fare once you launch it. Uh, it might be a whole console generation. It seems like Last of Us 2 is doing doing pre- pretty well at the box office, but so um, so that was a good bet. Um, but but still, uh, if that's if you, not if always the case, right? that's not to always your, the case. That's not always the case, and you will have spent maybe two, three, or or in the case yeah. of Last of Us, six years 
around one particular product waiting yeah. on one launch. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's, it can be debilitating. Right. That's the losses that you can take in this industry. And you, in some ways, have to have a thick skin to be able to kind of uh, work through that and move on and not take that as such criticism or maybe take some of that and grow from it. Sure. So uh, you you can never like uncouple uh, business decisions and creative decisions and the sort of the game that you're making and and the games always grow so they're ne- they never get smaller than you scoped for <laughs> never they always grow um, but uh, you 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 need to find a place where if if you're putting a lot of time and effort in you will be uh, you know fairly rewarded basically yeah. and so so I have I have one more that. I, I, what draw, that has kind of driven me to this industry or at least keeps me in, and that is being around some of the most creative people yes. in, the, in the world. Seeing some of the pieces, whether it's environmental artists, some of the top mm-hmm. environmental artists in the world, some of the best developers, just seeing that fusion of creativity come together and come to life in a product is unlike anything in my life. And that is amazing. And just being close to that, I think is amazing as a marketer just to see that come through. At the same time, one of the most challenging things that I have ever had in my role is working with creatives. Oh um, boy! And as much as I love you guys uh, <laughs> and I love the development side, I really do, and I say that genuinely. It is some of the most challenging work ever is to see people that have maybe a particular creative that have a particular vision and that are unbendable, um, uh, uh, not breakable, unbendable. To, in a way that it actually may, in fact, make sense for the players, for marketing, whatever it is. But that is one of the biggest challenges is working with creatives to get to a coherent vision, to be able to kind of sell our product in the end. Um, and yeah, all mean, of the kind of conversations that go in between. It is definitely a double-edged sword. Like you said, there's the, the opportunities for like crazy amounts of learning uh, how to solve complex problems with a, with a team is almost unparalleled. Like, I mean, there's, there's other, like, I think any massive team-based goal thing, like NASA has some of the craziest, crazy smartest people. Um, the entertainment industry, like movies and others have similar, but it, I think that the, some of these, some of the things that we work on are just very complex and they're very challenging in terms of, well, how do you solve for like 12 problems at once Yeah. in this one, <laughs> with one small aspect of a game that people might not even notice. You're like, it took the collective brain power for like a month of 10 people to figure out, like if you add up all the time, um, uh, one of the industry terms we love is the man month. Uh, but it, like stuff like that, like you just think about how much time and effort you have to pour into solving like small problems and then just magnify that over the course of years. Like Jesus, like the, years the permutations the, is r- ridiculous. And, and, and the exposure to millions too yeah. on top yeah. of it. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think that, yeah, yeah. the, um, so yeah, that's I mean I mean here's the truth. I think we could spend hours, not minutes, on this conversation. I think this is kind of a good starter conversation for a lot of this. Um, but I think we're also kind of getting to that point where you know uh, we're, 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 we've probably exhausted some of this conversation. Um, so um, yeah, so that's it. I yeah. guess that's it. Kind of we'll call the it conversation. There. Well, also, like, you know, it, it, it might not be super easy to get in touch with us, but I would love to be able to uh, hear uh, specific questions and comments from people, uh, you know, whether we want to, wh- whether they want us to sort of continue this conversation in specific uh, directions. 
So, you know, comment below or like get in touch with us. If there's there are emails on our website, you can go to patchandcrash.com and there, there's, an, there's an email there. Yeah, I think we definitely want to continue that discussion. So we'll see what comments. But before we kind of end it. Yeah. We have that's fucking cool. That's fucking cool. So, so I think, you know, in, in uh, typical fashion, I'll start it off and then uh, hopefully one of you two has something better. Unless, Paul, do you have something? I actually have nothing this week. So that's fucking lame. <laughs> We need to come up with a, that's fucking lame. I think we should do that too. Like the, Yeah. Okay. I like it. I dig it. I think just, you get, you get kudos just for being able to kind of call it for what it is. Nice. Um, so here's, you know, as I'm kind of stumbling through the, um, what's that's fucking cool. You guys know, I love dogs. Uh, I have two dogs. One, in fact, is Leroy Jefferson Jenkins. I don't think there's a cooler dog name than that. Um, and I stumbled in, I think a while ago, there was a big hoo-ha around Boston Dynamics and the robot dog, it turns out now, I didn't know this until the last week, I guess they just announced, you can actually buy your own robot dog for a cool kind of 75,000 USD. And it even oh. comes with this SDK. You can add attachments. I mean, I mean, I could have a military robot dog. And here's the best yeah. part. I mean, I love Leroy. Love you. He's over there. Um, you know, I hate what I hate about dogs is there's, they're only a part of your life for so long. Robot yeah, dog sucks. Dogs suck. In the post-apocalyptic era, like I'm like doomsday planning my robot dog. Mm. So. That's my, uh, that's fucking cool. What about you, Hans? Oh, uh, that one's hard to top, but I actually have a, a colleague of mine uh, shared uh, a link to see if I can um, do some smart kind of stuff here on the stream. So uh, a fellow named Ibrahim Hamdi, who's a graphical artist. Here we go. So I think you guys can see this uh, as well now because I think this is so cool. So game logos in Arabic, which is something that people usually don't localize to uh to Arabic in, in games. Um, but this guy, he is a, uh, a graphical artist and he has sort of repurposed um, game logos into Arabic and they look okay. really, really They cool. are pretty badass. So we're looking at, so now for listeners that are like on Spotify, because not everybody's going to be able to see That's this. That's right. Uh, Hans, where are we, where are we pointing them to? Because so, this is, this is actually pretty cool. Oh, so it's a, it's a link to his uh, portfolio. I'm going to uh, put it into the show notes if I can figure out how to do that. But uh, yeah, basically. So they've got GTA Five in there. Yeah. They've got Fallout. They've got what else? And it's all in. Yeah. And it, well it's done, also well very uh, sort of true to the original logo, uh, where it's repurposed. The style. It. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also Arabic is right to left, so uh, a lot of the uh, sort of nuances of the logo might be, you know, you put the emphasis on the four over there in Far Cry mm -hmm. Four as a different color. And now, obviously, you read right to left, and it's going to be a different thing to and there's tons of these really really well-made um uh, logos and i really love them yeah i think i think favorite. it's it's so well done it's so so well done i love you know when you see something super creative yeah, yeah. yeah when you see something super creative and somebody come out of there and you're like ah that just the execution is was well done so hopefully yep. people can take a look at um, that that is fucking cool you get you get mad props for that well this guy uh ibrahim hamdi um <laughs> I uh, guess mad props for that. So, so yeah, that's uh, that. That's fucking cool. So maybe that sort of uh, concludes the show. Uh, we spent uh, some time talking about how to get into the industry and whether the industry is right for you. Um, and uh, yeah, unless you guys have anything, I'm gonna say stay safe out there. <laughs> I'm no, with I you. That's fine. All right. <laughs> cool. See you. Thank you all for listening. If you want to see more episodes of this podcast, please check out patchandcrash.com. 
Also, follow us on Twitter, at Patch and Crash, where we post about new episodes or live streams. <laughs>